0: You know, Merry Christmas, by the way, and uh, thank you for coming two days after Christmas. I wasn't taking any bets who would show up today, so I'm really glad uh, that you're here, appreciate it. Um, I'd say I owe you, but nah, it'd be too expensive. So thank you for being here. Um, You know, it's the 27th, it's the last Sunday of the year, and and often this time of year, we do a little bit of reflecting uh, on the year, reflecting on our lives, and and trying to get a little bit of perspective and, you know, some of us um, ref- can reflect a little further back uh, than others. And, and I was thinking about that this week and, and uh, I was reflecting on one thing because we have an anniversary next week. And I, I was re- reminding myself that Jenna and I met in uh, freshman world geography at Soro High School. And uh, she colored in the maps for us, man, my buddy Pete, and uh, that's where we met each other. Uh, and then, uh, four years later, I've got a picture here, uh, four years later, Jenna and I magically appear. <laughs> ah, there we are. We're homecoming king and queen, Soro High School. Huh? Thank you very much. Somebody asked me, you're wearing shoulder pads, right? <laughs> No, of course not. Yeah, I was. Uh, and then the next year we were invited back to crown the new king and queen for the next year. And uh, that, uh, that time um, I just fell head over heels deep. I mean, this, this is the woman, this is the one. Um, I'm 18, I should know. And um, so I decided Jenna was the one and Jenna decided not so much. Um, not interested, broke my heart, and uh, but, but this morning we're going to talk about pressing on, and I pressed on and persevered, and I caught her at a weak moment, and there it is right there, huh? And you can tell um, that it's the 70s because of that really attractive camel tuxedo jacket. All right. But <laughs> yeah, I'm married up. I get it. Um, but uh, we, um, uh, but, but we do. You know, that's one kind of reflection that we have. But the kind of reflection that I want to talk about this morning, the kind of reflecting that I want to do this morning, is a really different kind of reflecting. It's imagine this. Imagine that you take a moment and you look into a mirror and you see yourself, and you look up, you look really close, and, and you see, uh, you, you know, you see who you are, and you take a really good look at your reflection uh, in the mirror, and that's what I want us to talk about this morning. I want to talk, I want us to look in a mirror. I want to, us to look in the mirror, not only of who we are, but, but a mirror on the inside, and consider uh, this morning, who we are, and we're going to do that. We're going to lean on the Apostle Paul to help us uh, in that journey, and we're going to look at Philippians, the third chapter. You know, sometimes we don't want to reflect because we feel like uh, it's just, you know, reminiscing or it's dwelling on the past, Uh, You know, it's something like that, but that's that's not at all what the Apostle Paul is going to teach us about this morning, that he is gonna teach us what it looks like when we take a good look at our hearts and a good look at who we are. And so Philippians three, starting at verse 12, it says this, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I'm gonna stop there for just a second. So here's what Paul says. He says, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect. I haven't reached perfection. I won't reach perfection until I'm with Christ someday. Uh, that's when where perfection comes. But here's what I do. I press on. And this these words press on, in the Greek, it's, it's an, actually an athletic term. And it refers to a runner who's running as fast and as hard as he can and he's leaning in and he's straining with everything that he or she has to win the prize, to get to the goal. And so it's this picture of giving everything that you have, giving every ounce of energy, every ounce of strength that you have uh, to get to the goal. Pressing on, pressing in, going as hard as you can, giving everything that you have. And so Paul said, I give everything that I have, I press on, I run as hard as I can, I give every bit of my energy, every bit of my strength, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Not because I want to show how great I am, not because I want to show how much I can do or how much I can endure, but it's because of who Christ is in my life. It's because of what Christ has done that I have found something so magnificent. I've found something so wonderful in Christ that I want to pursue him. I want to go after him with every ounce of strength that I possibly can have. And so in verse 13, he says, brothers, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so he said, this is one, there's one thing that I do. In my reflection, there's one thing that I do. I forget what lies behind and I press on to what lies behind. Ahead, You see, Paul had a big story. Paul's life was really quite remarkable. And so when he's saying this, he's reflecting on his own life. That he tells us a few verses earlier. He says, as to my life, he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He meant from birth, and practice that he was a that he followed everything that that he was a model of what a Hebrew uh, should be. He says that not only was he a Hebrew of Hebrews, not only was he born to that, but that he kept the law. In fact, he was well educated and well positioned and he became a Pharisee, which means he was a keeper of the law, that he obeyed the law. And he, and he said when it came to me, I obeyed the law better than anybody. I was blameless. You couldn't find any fault in me. So Here's Paul, he's talking about himself. He says, now I was born the right family. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I followed all the laws. I was educated. I had power, I had education, I had position. I was a Pharisee, I was admired. I had all of these things. And then he goes on to talk about his life and say, but there was this other part of me that I saw these Christians that were turning the the world upside down. And I felt like they were taking away from our faith. I was taking away from our tradition. So I I got permission to drag them out of their homes and to persecute them and torture them and have them killed. He said, I was zealous in the persecution of Christians, that I obeyed the law, I looked good, but then I was an accomplice in murder. And Paul is looking at his life and and he literally, we find in Acts 9, that he went to the leaders uh, of the temple and he got Permission to go after Christians to bring them, pull them out of their homes, and and we know again from the Book of Acts that he got a group together. They grabbed Stephen, one of the early church fathers. They grabbed Stephen, they took him out, and they stoned him to death. And the story says that Paul held their cloaks while the other guys threw rocks to kill Stephen. You know, it's always so fascinating uh, to look at Paul and to think, why was he holding the cloaks? He was the ringleader of this whole thing. It was his deal. He was the one that got permission to to go after him. But Paul... Lived this life of, of holding up how well he kept the law and holding up the example of what it meant to be a Pharisee and a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And, and if he had participated in throwing the rocks, it would make him unclean. And he would be participating in the murder of someone. And so Paul wanted to keep his hands clean and he wanted to look good. So he organized it, he, he instigated it, and then he stood back and held the cloaks and let all the other guys do the dirty work. And it's such an incredible picture of who Paul is because on the outside, he looked so great. On the outside, he looked like he kept the law. On the outside, he looked like he did everything right. But on the inside, he was a murderer. He was a sinner. He was a wreck. And Paul knew that. He knew that about himself. And so he looks at this and he says, look, forgetting what lies behind, I'm forgetting all of the great things I did and all the things that I stood for, but I'm also forgetting, I'm also letting go of all the evil that I did. He he says, none of those things define me anymore. None of those things define who I am. None of those things changes about him. He's the one that wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul said, that's my life. That's what I look like. And I'm no longer defined by the evil I did. I'm no longer defined also by the good things that I did or that I tried to do. But here's how I'm identified. I'm identified by Jesus. I'm identified by who Christ is and what he did in my life, and that's what I'm pressing for. There's nothing, nothing like it. That's what I wanna look like. In fact, in, in Philippians three, starting going back to verse seven, he says this, but whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Paul says, you know what, everything I accomplished, all the positions I had, all the notoriety I had, all of the the wealth and fame and everything that I, power that I had, I, I counted that as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Here's how he says it. I counted it as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may uh, may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I take everything in my life, the good and the bad, and I put it all together and I count it as rubbish. I count it as street garbage, something that people throw out the window of their house onto the street in the morning. I count that rubbish, that trash, that garbage, that filth. I, that's what I look, that's my life before Christ. All of the accomplishments, all of the things that I had are rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus, that that meant everything. So he said, this is what my life is about now, that I am pressing into Jesus, that I am pursuing Christ with every bit of energy and strength that I have, that it's about following him. And all of those other things that he thought were so great, all of those other things that he strived for, he said, mean nothing compared to knowing Jesus. And that is so hard for us. You know, a lot of times people, you know, today, we say, well, you know what, Paul had it really easy Right, I mean, it was easier for him than, I mean, for goodness sakes, he didn't have Star Wars. Right, um, he didn't have movies and he didn't have a new car every year being thrown at him that was really fast and had great leather seats and people that talked to you in the car. He didn't have any of those things. His life, his life was so uncomplicated, it was so easy. Uh, and yet, well, here's what we know is the truth that Paul's life was very complicated. He had spent his whole life trying to build a reputation, trying to build a life, uh, trying to build up his resume, trying to promote himself as something, one who is great, someone who is special, someone who had everything. And when he found Jesus, he realized it meant nothing that the pursuit of Christ was everything in his life. Nothing could compare to the surpassing knowledge of Christ. And sometimes in our lives, we just have to get to that point where we realize that all, all of the pursuits that we've had, that knowing Christ matters more than anything else, that we've been fooling ourselves, we've been tricking ourselves, we've been lying to ourselves, we've been trying to build up this image when we know that what's on the inside is a mess that needs help. And uh, you know, when I start to really reflect on my life, there's one place that I almost always go when I really wanna reflect on my life. I go to the resurrection. You see, Paul said, Here, he said in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings. See, I go back to the resurrection because here's the the truth, all right? We've talked about this. If If the resurrection is true, then everything else is true. If the resurrection is true, then everything else is true that I can't just take part of it, I can't just take a little bit, I I can't take the part of God that I really like and makes me feel warm and fuzzy and makes me feel good about myself and gives me comfort and leave all of the the stuff out that I don't like, but if I believe in the resurrection then then it all has to be true because Christ died on a cross, he rose again, he lives today, he lives eternally, he lives in my life, the resurrected Jesus dwells in me and I have to understand that Everything in my life is different. Everything in my life has changed because of who Jesus is and because the resurrection is true. And so I start back there and I begin by reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus and the fact that that's true and that everything else in my life is built on the truth of the resurrection. And then I get to the end of verse 10 and it says, you know, the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, and I, you know, everything in me just wants to leave that part out. Okay, I was, I was tracking with you, Paul, till the last phrase, and you gotta throw in the sufferings. You always have to throw in this whole sufferings thing. But isn't it true in our lives that, that God wants to get our attention so much that he'll allow us to suffer? He allows us to suffer, to, I think, to get our attention, He also allows us suffering sometimes that helps us to see what really matters in our lives. That all of that stuff that we thought was so important really doesn't matter that much. And it definitely doesn't matter compared to the surpassing knowledge of who Jesus is, the resurrected Christ. That means everything. He means everything. The sufferings of Christ, the resurrection, who we are in Christ. Paul's telling us that all of the birthrights, the privileges, all the accomplishments, and the power that he attained meant nothing compared to the surpassing worth of Jesus. He no longer identified himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews. He no longer identified himself as a Pharisee. But now he was a follower of Christ. Now his life belonged to Jesus. And you know, we're here this morning and some of you Maybe you feel like your life's a mess. And pretty much everybody knows it's a mess. And it's just, what do you do with that mess? You reflect on your life, but you so much don't like what you see. You reflect on your life, and you're so discouraged by what you see when you look in that mirror, when you reflect on your life, that you just don't even want to look at it. You don't want to deal with it. You don't have to face it. And there are others of you that, that you look great on the outside and you've accomplished a lot and your life looks so good and so perfect and so important, and, and then, but you know on the inside that you're still a mess. And what's the Lord wanna do? What's the Lord do with that? It's not our masterpiece, it's his masterpiece. It's the masterpiece that Christ makes out of our lives. So it looks different than the painting we would draw, doesn't it? You see, the painting that we would draw would be about us and our accomplishments and how good we look and what we can do and how we impress people and how people are in awe of us. and, and uh, and being famous or powerful or whatever it is, that's the masterpiece that we draw, that's the one that falls apart, that's the one that creates that mess, but the masterpiece of the life that really matters is the masterpiece that's his masterpiece of our lives. That when we press on into Jesus, when he has our life, when he leads our life, when he paints the picture, he paints his masterpiece and nothing can compare to the masterpiece that Jesus paints in our lives. You know, most of you know that that my mother passed away about a week ago. And, um, you know, if you you looked up my mom's name, I'm pretty sure there's not a spread in Wikipedia about her. If you Googled her, I don't think you'd find very much. Uh, She didn't write any books, Uh, she Wasn't famous by anybody's standards. Um, She didn't do anything to kind of make her name known or she wasn't a powerful person. She was a pastor's wife for 54 years. She prayed for people, she loved people, she raised a family, she did those things, but you won't find her in any, you know, annuals or anything that we sort of think makes somebody somebody. But you know, it's funny because um, we were in the hospice with her, and the hospice social worker came. and We knew her; she's from the church. and She said, "I should have known." There's a buzz on the, in the building; something's going on in room eight. You need to go see. You know what's going on in room eight. And we were playing gospel CD that my grand, my dad had made, and we were praying with her and talking with her, and all of the hospice workers kept walking by the door just to listen, figure out what was going on in that room. But it wasn't her masterpiece. It wasn't the painting that she did. It was Christ's masterpiece in her. And, And what we're finding out is that we're getting phone calls from people all over the country that say, your mom mattered in my life. Your mom cared for me, your mom took me in, your mom prayed for me, she loved me, and so we're, we end up um, having a service here on Tuesday and a service in California on the ninth because the people in their old church said, "We want to honor her. We want to. F- we want to have a service for her." But it's it's masterpiece that Jesus wrote in her life, not the one that gets printed someplace, not the one that gets a movie about it. It probably should, but it's not the one that gets a movie about it. But it's the one that Jesus drew. And my encouragement to you is just don't sell out. Don't sell out for anything less than the masterpiece that Jesus wants to paint with your life. Press into him. Pursue him. Strain with every ounce of strength and every ounce of energy that you have to Jesus. Follow him because what you get in the end is who he made you to be. What you get in the end is a reflection of him. You see, when we look in the mirror, we see all of the flaws and we see all the negative things. But but really, when we look in the mirror, what he wants us to see is how much he loves us and how special we are to him. And, and, And at the end, he wants us, when we look into the mirror, he wants us to see him that we've become a picture of Jesus, we've become an image of Jesus to a world that so desperately needs to see the real thing, to see the real one that creates magnificence out of the ordinary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Lord, for this opportunity to reflect in our lives Lord, we're reminded that it's your masterpiece, and it is a masterpiece because you are painting it, and we thank you for that, Lord. And and our heart's desire is that we would pursue you, Lord, with everything that we have. Uh, Lord, forgive us for settling for less. Forgive us for settling for things that don't really matter in this world. And Lord, give us the strength and the courage to press into you, I pray. And Lord, we will give you all the glory. And we'll give you all the praise and all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.